You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. My name is Dan Johnson. As always, I'm your nine-fingered host, and we got a pretty exciting podcast today. We're going to be talking with Mark Boardman of Vortex Optics, and he's going to talk to us about binoculars and their range finders, and they're also going to talk about a couple new products that they have this year. We're, we didn't get into spotting scopes on this particular show. I may I, I may save that for another show because I am very interested in getting uh, a spotting scope. But today it's binoculars and it's range finders. And uh, we're going to talk about their product lineup, their price points, uh, what binoculars are good for what scenarios and, and maybe the out west hunter versus the the plains hunter versus the the tree stand hunter in the east and, and midwest i want you guys to stay tuned all the way to the end of the podcast because i'm going to make an announcement on this week's giveaway and i don't want to uh, blow it too early like that was probably the wrong thing to say but uh, i don't want to give it away too early and uh I want you guys to absorb this content and you got to wait all the way into the end to uh, find out what the, what the giveaway is this week from Vortex. So without further ado, here we go. On the phone with me now is Mark Boardman of Vortex Optics. How's it going today, Mark? I'm doing good, Dan. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Doing great. Like I ask all my guests, how was your 2015, 2016 season? You know, it was great, man. You know, I definitely got, a fair amount of hunting in. I guess, you know, it's never as much as any of us would probably like, but uh, I managed to miss uh, a really nice bull in Washington with my bow, so that still stings a little bit. Uh, I actually was able to call a bull in for my brother later that week, so that that he shot, so that, that uh, kind of made up for it. But uh, um, shot a nice buck with the rifle in Colorado, uh, about a probably two-year-old whitetail in South Dakota with the muzzleloader, and kind of blanked here in Wisconsin, but, uh, so you'd think you'd be able to kill a deer in your home state, but not always the case, but, uh, <laughs> so enough, enough to stay busy. What about you? I tell you what, on November 1st, I missed, uh, a giant, uh, probably 170 class buck in Ooh. Iowa. Yeah. I shot over his back. And then after that, I, I saw a couple more, but nothing ever close enough to draw my bow back. Yep. Yep. So, well, I'm sure it was a great fall nonetheless, so it gives you a reason to head back out, right? That's right. That's right. All right, let's get into optics, especially Vortex here today. Why don't you go ahead and start off by telling us what you do at Vortex and give us a little bit of company history. 
So I'm the marketing manager at Vortex, so I handle a lot of the, you know, the, the marketing, advertising uh, related duties, if you will, media relations, copywriting, you know, a little bit, little bit of everything, I guess, you know. Um, and then, uh, you know, brief history of Vortex, which actually is somewhat, um, you know, it could be long or short depending on how you want to look at it. But uh, the owner of the company. Um, yeah, I guess I'll start. You know, it's a family-owned company. It's a veteran-owned company. Um, that's a, you know, it's a that's a U.S.-based company. Uh, and the owner Dan and Marty originally actually had a Wild Birds Unlimited store, so a store within the franchise, and they sold optics. Um, so I think that's where that kind of entry into um, that world you know, started from that, um, you know, obviously recognizing the need for, for quality optics and what a person may be looking for. Um, that evolved into him uh, developing uh, a, a brand of optics uh, that uh, sold throughout the, the franchise, which in turn evolved into a retail store that sold everybody's optics. And from that, uh, you know, Vortex was kind of born out of that, and I think it was all those, you know, previous experiences combined, uh, you know, from from the retailer's perspective and the manufacturer perspective, um, you know, Vortex was kind of born out of that with with a lot of knowledge from from both sides of the ball uh, as far as um, you know the needs of the customer and the needs of the of the retailer and the needs of the manufacturer, um, and they saw you know. Uh, an opportunity to, to hopefully, you know, start an optics company and, and, and try and do it better. Perfect. Perfect. Well, let's get into right into it. Where are, where are Vortex binoculars and products made? So, so yeah, as I mentioned, so, you know, we're, we're a U.S. based company. Now that said, depending on the piece, I'd say for the most part, it'll be, it'll be manufactured in Japan, the Philippines or China. Um, now we do uh, one of our rifle scopes that we debuted this year is actually 100% made in the USA, um, and that's right down to every screw and and even the glass is actually USA glass, which is something, to my knowledge, um, nobody else is doing. In fact, and and one exciting thing is a lot of that manufacturing, I'd say, the vast majority of it um, happens about 100 yards from where I sit, so that's pretty cool. Um, some of our other optics have some final assembly. Some of, I guess, you could say the more, you know, intricate portions of them. Um, that's done here as well. Gotcha. So we'll get right into what makes a binocular a binocular. And uh, why don't you talk a little bit about the kind of the kind of glass that goes into a binocular and maybe what to look for when you're going to purchase a binocular that you can, someone like myself who isn't very familiar with what makes, I guess, the glass a quality glass or not, and maybe talk us through what to look for on, on a, a good binocular versus an average binocular. So, yeah, I mean, you're going to want to look for a few key things, right? Um, you know, you know, on, on a, higher in binocular you 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 might want to look for a designation of of HD glass or ED glass and that stands for you know extra low dispersion glass um you're going to want to uh, have an optic, uh, you know, binocular that's fully multi-coated, right? So that means on all air to glass surfaces you've got multiple anti-reflective coatings and what those 
anti-reflective coatings do uh, is, uh, you know, they, they help ensure as much light, you know, from the environment is reaching your eyeball. You know, so when, when a person talks like, oh, that's, that, that binocular is super bright or it's got really good low light performance, that's what those fully multi-coatings, you know, are accomplishing, essentially. Um, it can be tough to discern one from another because within even all those labels or designations, you're going to have different tiers of quality, right? Um, you know, we sell binoculars that will say, you know, let's say it's a, a $200 binocular, and it's going to, you know, it's going to be fully multi-coated. It's going to be waterproof, fog-proof, shock-proof. Um, it's going to have a lot of those you know, similar uh, features or, or labels that you'll see on, a, on one of our $1,200 binoculars. Um, but so you're going to have different tiers, I guess, of, of quality within those labels. Um, so it can be in some ways, you know, a little bit confusing, but, um, you know, once you start to look into it, actually, it's, it's not too complex. Is that in the manufacturing process of the glass where it's given a different, like a different quality rating? Ah, man. So it's just, it, it depends on, you know, heavily on, I would say, you know, the materials being used, um, the, you know, how good the optical design is, um, you know, that's going to come into play. Uh, you know, you can take, um, you know, one of our engineers kind of de described it. He used the analogy, and, and it it works pretty well. You know, you could take the the best cut of meat, right, and and give it to uh, an uh, a horrible chef, right, and he'll take that cut of meat and you know dunk it in milk and pour ketchup on it, and you go, holy cripes, you know that meal sucked. Where you give a good chef maybe a marginal cut of meat, but he might do things to it that make it stand out and be one of the best meals you ever had. So that's kind of, you can draw that correlation to optical engineering as well. You could take a lot of great materials and not put them together right, and you're not going to end up with a good binocular, or you could take, you know, some, you know, quote-unquote mid-quality materials and make an excellent binocular. So I guess that's where a lot of that engineering comes in into play and the science of it. Um, you know, I'd say, you know, optical engineering is actually as much an art as it is a science. Um, so it's kind of difficult. It's hard to put things in a silo. If you have A, you get B. Um, like I said, there's there's a lot of a lot of brain power that goes into it. And then, of course, I mean, and, and you do have to have, you know, the right components as well. But um, it's 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 complex enough that it it can be difficult to kind of pinpoint down, you know, and I could I could probably give you one of our engineers on the phone and they'd say it a heck of a lot better than I would. Um but generally when I go talk to them, I don't understand what they're saying either. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a good point. Now, and just one last question about glass then. Um would you say that for example, the Razer HD, it's it's almost fifteen hundred dollars, and then you have um, like a, I'm looking at the low end, a hundred nineteen dollar pair of binoculars. Is the glass in those two binoculars different? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. No. Gotcha. Yeah, it is. Yep. So, I, so, so you know, the quality would reflect price. Higher quality would reflect a higher price. Yeah, definitely. You know, and so I mean, the, you know, there's going to be, you know, between a hundred dollar binocular and a five hundred dollar binocular. You know, I'm drawing some gener generalities again, right? Y you're going to see, you know, 
a big difference, right? You know, you're going to, you're going to, you know, it's going to be, you know, leaps and bounds different. You know, that said, you know, as you start getting into that upper echelon, right, you kind of, you're getting, it's kind of a diminishing returns. So you're going to pay a lot more for, I guess, you know, less of an incremental increase. So maybe you're paying twice as much, but you're not making that, you know, that 50% gain like you, you know, are between kind of the one and five mark, if that makes any sense. I mean, you're definitely getting a better product, uh, you know, more pre precise product. You know, you're going to have tighter tolerances, you know, better clarity, uh, resolution, color fidelity. But those gains are going to start to get, you know, smaller for every dollar spent, you know, kind of when you start getting into that, into that top tier stuff. And, um, you know, and I'm not saying that it's not worth it either because, you know, it definitely is if you, if you have the need. Gotcha. All right. So next question in regards to the, the into the housing of the actual binocular, what's that made out of? Um, is it waterproof? Is it uh, is it tough? I mean, can it? I I'll be honest. I'm probably not the best on equipment. I beat the shit out of it every year, and um, and I rely on a, a high, uh, basically a durable product. What what is that made out of? So it's going to just depend on the optic, um, you know, and how it was designed. Um, it could be uh, a poly housing. Uh, it could be an aluminum housing. Um, it might be a magnesium housing. Um, and, you know, all are going to have, you know, kind of their advantages, you know, depending on, you know, what you're trying to, you know, accomplish, I guess, or just, you know, what works best with that optical design. Um, generally, uh, you know, at least all of our binoculars, um, we we have binoculars that actually have all all three, right? Or not all three in one, but you know, um, just depending on on the piece, it'll have one or the other. Um, but then they're going to be rubber armored as well, um, you know, in strategic places to help promote um, durability, uh, to give you you know solid purchase, you know, particularly you know if it's wet out or something like that, um, and and comfort as well. Perfect. Let's see here. And then while we're talking about parts, um, wh what about the the eyepiece? I know some eyepieces have rubber, some have plastic, and I'm just I'm not saying Vortex does, but does that does that make a difference on on a binocular? I mean, I'd say first and foremost, you know, I mean, you just want, you know, an eyepiece needs to be comfortable, right? I mean, you're you're, you're resting it against, you know, um you know, essentially not, not your, your eyeball, but, you know, I mean, that's definitely not, um, you know, not a spot where you want to have, uh, you know, irritation or uncomfortable rubbing or things like that. So you want it to be comfortable. Uh, yeah, but I mean, generally, you know, a rubber eye cup, some will have a little bit softer rim, some will be turned in a little bit, but you definitely want to make sure when you're choosing a binocular that has, you know, an, an eye cup that, that fits, fits your eyes, you know, uh, as well as, you know, comfortable for yourself. Perfect. So now we'll go in. We'll go into uh, a couple scenarios here in regards to what you feel, what you're going to recommend as the marketing person for uh, for Vortex for certain types of hunters. So what I'll do is I'll just start off with in the Midwest, a tree stand hunter. They hunt in the timber. They probably don't need to see it terribly long ways. They might do a little bit of glassing uh, from their truck, but other than that, it, it, they're they're a tree stand or blind hunter. What what binocular would you recommend for somebody somebody like that? 
So I'd say overall, and I'm going to talk about, you know, I guess the configuration first here. So I would probably recommend an 8x42 or a 10x42. Um, you know, and, and, you know, that first number represents the magnification. So how, how many times it's going to magnify, you know, what your normal eye would see. And then the second number is the, uh, the objective diameter. So, um, you know, essentially the diameter of, of the glass lens. Uh, you know, on, you know, on the side that, that you're not looking through, I guess, right? Um, those are both very popular configurations. Um, they provide plenty of magnification, uh, plenty of light transmission. Um, it's a full-size binocular, but it's still relatively compact. Um, so there's just a lot of versatility there. You know, you could take those same two binos and, and run them out west, um, and do just fine, you know, uh, but they also, you know, work ideally in the Midwest. Now, I will say a binocular in our lineup that probably doesn't get its due, and I think that's a little bit because, you know, I mean, and, and I'm guilty of it as well, kind of the more is better mentality, but our Viper HD um, 6x32 is a phenomenal binocular and you'd be amazed what you can do with a six power binocular it doesn't sound like a lot of uh, of enhancement on the magnification side but that's a heck of a binocular and, and if i was predominantly like if i was like nope my stands are in the timber uh that i'm hunting that's probably the binocular that i'd carry with me gotcha and and uh that would that would kind of coincide with a uh, right at last light right at first light type of whitetail hunter yeah absolutely you know i mean i think it's just you know you just when you're in when you're in the timber you don't need a ton of magnification you know so and the, that that light transmission uh there's a number called exit pupil right and so if you take the uh objective diameter and divide it by the magnification, that gives you your exit pupil number. So for the sake of easy numbers, right, we'll say you had a 10 by 50 binocular. So 50 divided by 10, 5, you've got a 5 millimeter exit pupil. So that's going to help, you know, a person, uh, you know, identify, you know, how much, you know, light essentially is going to reach their eye. Now, like we talked about before, other things come into play with that, you know, the coatings, the quality of the coatings, you know, how they're applied, uh, you know, the glass, the prisms, all those things. So, I mean, all things being equal, you know, that, uh, you know, that, that uh, you know, doing that math of that simple division gives you that exit pupil number. Um, so, if that, you know, it's, it's, you know, again, pretty simple and gives, you know, people something to think about, you know, when they're, when they're looking at different magnification configurations. Would you, would you say that too much magnification in that scenario would hurt if you're in a tighter spot? I think it can, certainly. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now let's, now let's take a step out uh, a little bit further west, maybe uh, in the plains of Kansas or, you know, Nebraska, Dakotas, and you're a blind hunter, maybe a spot and stalker, maybe even a tree stand hunter, but there's not a lot in the way, maybe a little, the hills are rolling, and uh, in whether you're, I guess, antelope hunting or you're mule deer or, or whitetail hunting, what uh, what's the next suggestion? 
So, you know, I mean, again, you know, you're definitely going to be able to do a lot uh, with the 8 and 1042. I think the uh, the 10 by 42 has an edge, you know, in, in that type of terrain. Um, and I think for most people, you know, um, for binoculars, they're going to keep on their chest predominantly uh, and handhold. That 10 by 42 is going to fit the bill. Um, another Another great configuration uh that you can do a lot of work you know and tear apart the country with is a 12 by 50 and we we make a few excellent 12 by 50s um a little bit more difficult to handhold just because with that increase in magnification i mean it, it it's magnifying things so you know if you're breathing heavy it's going to magnify that you know if, if if you have you know some trouble holding the binocular still it's going to magnify that that said, if you're using it in conjunction with a tripod, you're going to be able to do some pretty serious work out there. So I know a lot of guys, you know, that, you know, hunt out west, um, and, and they go to a 12 because they say, hey, I've got my binocular on my chest. When I want to sit down and really set up shop and, 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 and you know, glass up, you know, a basin or, you know, across a valley and really spend some time, um, they throw it on their tripod and, and get to work. Gotcha. So uh, for the for the plains type of state uh, type of hunter, what particular binocular from Vortex would work there? You know, I mean, it's going to – I'll say this. So one thing we work really hard at is providing uh, a level of quality um, in each of our binocular series, right? So uh, we want people when they spend if they spend a dollar with vortex we want them to get more for their dollar than if they spent that same amount of money somewhere else so i say it's going to depend on 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 a person's budget right um you know i think it's pretty safe to say of course i sit here in my vortex chair but you know i mean if you've got you know two hundred dollars to spend on binocular if you buy a vortex you're going to get the most for your $200. You know, if you've got $500, you know, same thing, $1,200, same thing. So, I mean, it's going to depend on, on a person's budget, you know, what they're, you know, able to take on that hunt. Um, you know, if a person can, um, our Viper HD series and, and Razor HD series, I mean, those, those binoculars are pretty tough to beat. You know, I mean, that's, you know, the, the Viper HDs, they, they bump that top tier of optical performance. And the Razor HDs, I'd set next to anything that's out there, you know. Um, and that just that that optical quality and performance is an asset, no doubt about it. You know, I mean, those those open landscapes of the West, um, you know, a, a person can spend you know a lot of time behind their glass, and you know, in, in that glass, oftentimes is going to make or break, you know, whether or not you know, quote unquote, you know they're going to have a successful hunt. Gotcha. And we're going to talk about the warranty here in, in just a little bit, but a guy goes into a store or he's looking online and he's ready to make a purchase. He has a dollar amount in, um, in his brain. He's like, okay, I'm not going to go over this dollar amount. Kind of a vague question, but why should somebody choose a vortex optic over any other binoculars that's out on the market? So, you know, the first thing I'd, I'd go back to kind of what I touched on before, and it's that, you know, you're going to get a heck of a lot of optic, you know, for your dollar. You know, and like I said, you know, I like to think so, you know, if you buy a Vortex, you're going to 
get more for your money than if you spent that same dollar somewhere else. You know, and one thing we work hard at here is, you know, we want to support our customers, you know, before the sale, during the sale, and after the sale. And by after the sale, I mean, you know, the the warranty on on a vor- on any Vortex product, it truly is a lifetime warranty. It's a lifetime, unconditional, no fault, transferable warranty. There's no paperwork to fill out. There's no time limit. Uh, you know, if, if if you bought a Vortex product at some point in time and ended up selling it to your buddy because he wanted to upgrade and buy you know the latest version, he's got that same that same warranty as well. So. Um, you know, if, if you're a Vortex customer, obviously we try to build our stuff so nobody has an issue. You know, in a perfect world, that'd be the case. But things do happen, right? And so, uh, you know, if you're a Vortex customer, we'll take care of you. Perfect. And I can attest to that. I've I've uh, sent my pair of Vortex optics in uh, a couple times already, and I, I get a, a perfectly working <laughs> one back, even if it is uh, 100% my fault. Right, right. So... When all the great minds at Vortex sit around the the table to come up and design the next pair of binoculars, what what are some of the things that they're thinking about and and they're trying to accomplish, and maybe even some of the the um, problems that they have to overcome in order to get to the next perfect binocular? So I mean, you know. And again, I'd probably like to pass that one off to the engineers a little bit. Um, but uh, but I'd say you know I'd say one of the biggest things we think about is you know what are the needs of the customer you know, and I think we you know do a good job or at least we try to do a good job of listening to our customers, um, and we're customers ourselves as well, right? You know I'm an avid hunter. We have avid, avid um, you know hunters here both in the Midwest and you know and and out west. We have have avid archers, uh, bow hunters. Um, we have, uh, you know, competitive shooters, you know, and, and they all work here and they're all, you know, extremely passionate about, you know, their respective interests and, you know, and vortex optics, right? So it's kind of, you know, the perfect match to come up with, uh, new ideas or, you know, tweaking, you know, an old idea or, you know, taking, you know, a, a current product and saying, you know what? this product is awesome, but if we did this and this and this, it'd be better, you know? Um, and I'd say that those are things that are, you know, constantly going on here, you know, and, and sometimes it's not things you're able to, you know, implement right now, but you better bet that those things are going to be talked about when it come, comes time to, to, you know, to make an update or roll something new out. Perfect. Perfect. So we, we've talked about the binoculars for a little bit, but because this is a bow hunting podcast, I also want to talk about the uh, the rangefinder that you guys have. Can uh, why don't you just go ahead and, and talk a little bit about the the ranger? So well, and we can make that plural now, Dan. Okay. So uh, we've got the Ranger 1000. It's been the, in the lineup for the last few years. Um, excellent rangefinder. Uh, as the name implies uh, it's got a reflective distance to a thousand yards um it, it's got a simple display it's intuitive uh you know when you're setting up the range finder in fact really comes out of the box pretty much ready i'd say for the vast majority of guys ready to go it's uh, got angle compensation so it's going to come out of the box it's set in that mode um it's a uh, six you know six x magnification 
um, and you know it's going to come out you know on on in, in three brightness settings. So it's an illuminated display, right? So you know you talk about those low light scenarios. You know you've got one of three settings depending on on your lighting conditions. And again, the ability to toggle through and and change those brightness settings is is, is pretty simple. You know, um, so um, you know. It's fast range finder. It's compact. You know, to me, I wouldn't want any smaller. I wouldn't want it any bigger, right? You know, I feel like it fits perfectly in my hand. Um, it does actually have a unique feature of it is it is tripod adaptable. It, if somebody wants to mount it on a tripod for you know ultimate rock solid, you know, ranging, um, and it has a utility clip on it. So like very similar to what you might find on a knife to fit in your knife pocket or to fit in your pocket. Um, it's got a clip, so you know you can clip it to, you know, uh, pack webbing, or you know if you're casually in the yard, heck, you know you could clip it like you would, you know, on 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 a pocket or, you know, you know flat edge surface or something like that. So um, just another convenience feature. But overall, very very solid range finder. I'd say for the vast majority of bow and rifle hunters, it's going to do everything you need it to do. So um, this year. I mean, essentially, we introduced a 1,500-yard version of that uh, of that uh, unit. So, um, you know, there are are some you know a little bit faster processor, um, you know, a few tweaks here and there. But you know, ultimately, you know, you're just going to get you know a, a, a greater maximum reflective distance on that unit. What is the what's the battery life on one of those rangefinders run? Boy, now you're testing me. I can tell you, I haven't run it out yet. Um, what would be the average battery life? I might have to get back to you on that. I know that I've the one that I have. I don't even think I've ever changed batteries in it, and I've had it for the, even the one before. Because I have a, I currently have a Ranger, and then I also have, um, I also had another one that I I never did get rid of, but I've I've had that one for like five years and never had to change the batteries in it. Right, right. Yes, but I'm like, yeah, I don't know, plenty, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sounds good. Sounds good. So I want to uh, just elaborate a bit on this. On oh, I knew what I was going to ask you on this angle compensation on the right. uh, the rangefinder. Because I, I I still think that there's people out there who may not know what that is. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? So I mean, I guess here's here's you know I guess I'll describe a scenario, right? So let's say you were hunting mountain goats, okay? They live in super steep, cliffy country. Um, then you see a goat and he looks like he's a hundred yards below you, and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, you know, whatever that, you know where you might get, you know, a line of sight reading of 100 yards, right? Because it's going to measure, you know, point A to point B, right? Okay, well, that's great, except for the fact that that mountain goat is actually only 15 yards away. He just looks like he's 100 yards away because he's straight below you, you know? So that's where that angle compensation is going to come into play is scenarios like that, or maybe you're in a tree stand, um, you know, and, and you're high up and you, you've got a steep angle shot, um, those are scenarios where um, where that angle compensation gives you kind of that that true shoot to distance. Is there is there like a little level bubble in there, or some kind of gyroscope or something that that is able to tell that, or is that 
How does that little machine tell angles? Well, I, I'll just tell you um, – well, I'll tell you that they're trade secrets, but actually I, I really don't know, Dan. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Like I said, I could get you with the engineering department. I just need to know how it works, Dan, or not necessarily the how, but I just need to know that it works and it's going to work for what I'm doing with it. <laughs> Perfect. Other than that rangefinder, is there anything new from Vortex this year? So yeah, you know, another really exciting product, you know, that we're introducing this year and actually, you know, plays right into, in my opinion, you know, the whitetail hunter and the binocular and optical needs of a whitetail hunter. So historically, the Diamondback has been the quintessential bang for the buck binocular in the Vortex lineup. Incredibly popular. You're getting a ton of optical quality, a ton of performance, a ton of durability. But it's not killing a person in their pocketbook, right? I, you know, you know, we talked a lot about the 1042. I think uh, the 1042 uh, in the Diamondback, you know, retails for about 230 bucks. So this year, we updated the Diamondback binocular series, uh, and I guess by updated, it's an entirely new binocular. Uh, the only thing that stayed the same was was the Diamondback name and the price. So. Uh, you've got uh, you know an updated housing. You've got a short hinge design that that uh, lighten the binocular up a little bit. It's super sleek. You can get uh, with that short hinge. You can get more of your hands around the barrel of the binoculars. You know, so you're gonna you know you know hold it a little bit easier. Um, the optics are upgraded. The coatings, you know, they're they're dielectric, fully multi-coated. So that that dielectric process is just kind of a, an enhanced process when when you are multi-coating an optic. Um, the eye cups are updated, so you've got uh, you know n new twist up eye cups, um, and but like I said, they they're the same price. So essentially, we took that the binocular that was you know in my opinion you know the best bang for the buck binocular on the market, and we made it better, but for the same price. So that's one that you know um, I think you know really anybody who's you know somewhat you know on a budget uh, but needs the quality optics should look at. And, you know, when you talk about bow hunting, it's just, it's definitely, um, I think it's going to suit a lot of people's needs and they're going to be really happy with it. Anything else you'd like to tell the listeners about Vortex binoculars or the rangefinder? You know, I think, I think we covered a lot of good stuff, Dan. You know, I appreciate you having me on. Um, I, I guess I will say, you know, if anybody does have a question or, or uh, about one of our products or optics in general or, you know, maybe a hunt they're going on and they don't know exactly what they're looking for but they know they need something, um, call us here at the office, you know, and it's, you know, it's 800-426-0048. Um, any of our customer care, customer care uh, representatives, you know, you know, they're very knowledgeable. They're happy to answer questions that, you know, we, you know, I guess we want to talk to our customers, you know, we want to hear from them. We want to help them out. So, um, that's one thing where, um, you know, I, I feel like we stand out as, you know, we definitely are here to help and, and, and want to interact with our customers. Um, and so call us, Facebook us, you know, you know, we're pretty much available in, in any way, shape or form that people want to contact, you know, others nowadays and, and we're here to help. So. Perfect. Well, Mark, thanks for coming on the show and spreading the good word about Vortex. Nope. Appreciate it, Dan. Thanks for having me on. And that brings us to the end of this podcast. Uh, like I mentioned in the outro, Vortex is going to be giving away something for this for this uh, 
podcast. And here's what you have to do, and here's what it is. They are going to be giving away their brand new Diamondback binocular, and it's a 10 by 42 power. So uh, a Diamondback, their brand new Diamondback 10 by 42. And uh, what you have to do is go to the Nine Finger Chronicles Facebook page and share the post that mentions this podcast. And then I want you to go to Vortex Optics Facebook page and comment, Nine Fingers sent me here. And uh, just blow up their Facebook page with a whole bunch of ridiculous comments and uh, let them know that you heard about uh, their products from this podcast. And what I'll do is I will compare the, I'll, I'll pull a winner's name and I'll make sure that they are, that they followed the instructions, that they not only did they share this podcast, but then they also went over and, uh, made the comment on Vortex's Facebook page, and uh, make sure you like that as well. And uh, I'll pick a winner probably on Friday of this week or early next week, uh, and we'll go from there. So I hope everybody has an awesome President's Day. If you're in the corporate world and you don't have to work, I hope you know. hopefully you got out shed hunting or uh, enjoyed some time outside. I, for one, am taking my kids to daycare still, and I might just take five naps throughout the whole day and do absolutely nothing because we just got six inches of snow, and uh, that might make shed hunting a little hard. But, like I said, if you want to win that new Diamondback 10 by 42 share the Facebook post that mentions this podcast, and then comment nine fingers sent me here on the vortex facebook page and that right there will be your ticket into the uh, giveaway and uh, they're giving away one of those and it will be drawn next friday blah 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 and always like always wear your damn safety harness